0: Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus
1: 20 about the Sixth commandment: Thou Shall Not Kill. Never take your own revenge, 19. Beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink, for in so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, in the original letter, there's no chapter breaks. And so Paul continues. Every person is to be sub- in subjection to the governing authorities, the civil government of your area, if you will. There's no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. Drop down to verse 4, or actually 3. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have fear of no, no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it, this is civil authority now, is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid. For it does not bear the sword, and that has the idea of capital punishment there, for nothing. For it, civil government, is a minister of God, notice, an avenger who brings wrath on the one who practices evil. So this side of heaven... The way that God's vengeance is meted out is by civil government acting under the authority of God's law. Now, whenever a government gets away from God's law, that's when we have to begin to ask the question, is that government actually in keeping or in check with what biblical revelation would say? But here, just all things being equal, the civil government carries out the justice. And here we have a whole system based on you know courts of law etc and defenses and you get to stand before your accusers and etc and there's all this law that's been established to figure out the facts. And so this is how the commandment unfolds and this is some of what uh, answers the question is there ever a right time to take a life? Well we talked about capital punishment we talked about just war turning back to the book of Exodus Let's talk about the issue of abortion for a second. We're going to deal with this on the 23rd. But think about how our culture is thinking now. Our culture believes that it is right. Much of our culture believes that it's, it's right to take the life of an unborn, pre-born baby in its mother's womb. But those same people will argue against capital punishment. They will want to defend the most guilty And not defend the most innocent. Somehow our thinking has become upside down. Now I will tell you, we have to be extremely careful when it comes to capital punishment and uh, things of this nature. Whenever a nation would decide to go to war, whenever a police officer would be in a situation where perhaps they have to mete out some severe uh, justice towards an individual, these things have to be done carefully and prayerfully and truthfully and all of that. But oftentimes, there's not a whole lot of time, right? But the abortion issue, once the ultrasound machine came into existence, the abortion argument should have been over. Perhaps we were in some ignorance to what was going on in the womb previous to to those discoveries. But now we know exactly what's going on. And we know that life begins at the moment of conception and we know that our land is guilty and much innocent blood has been shed and it's very very sad and some of this is because we don't allow the light of god's truth to guide us we don't we're not thinking logically anymore we're so up in arms about one thing and and against another but but often we have it upside down and it's because perhaps we haven't either wrestled with the truth of God, or perhaps we just listen to other people make their arguments. And to sum up this section, it, it should be noted that we get back to the definition that not all killing is morally wrong. Why does God permit some forms of killing? What makes them lawful? The answer is that their goal is not the destruction of life, but its preservation. It obviously is to stop a person or an evil nation from destroying other people. And that is when it is important. And that is when it is right to step in. Now, there are some stories that unfold in scripture about murder that occur. And I want to take you to a few of them in Genesis chapter four, as you turn there, Genesis chapter four, and we consider some of the cases in the Bible. I think you all know what's going on in our society, but let me just share an article I came across The most recent report in Cook County, in which Chicago belongs, is grim. Officials say that more people were shot to death in Chicago and surrounding Cook County in 2021 than any other year on record. Gun violence killed um, the daughter of a woman that's holding a picture that's actually on my screen right now. This uh, mom, who's a nurse in Chicago, is calling it urban terrorism and she wants to fight it. After her daughter, Jaya, 18, was shot in a convenience store, Chicago nurse Naisha B. is uh, being uh, quoted here by ABC News. And she's basically showing a picture of her daughter, uh, yet another death to gun violence in Chicago. ABC News reported, and taking some other information, that there are 3,000 dead in one year in Chicago, either by gun violence or dying to drugs. Just to give you an idea, I did some quick math. That means eight people a day, eight people a day die in Chicago and the surrounding areas, either by gun violence or drug overdoses. Eight people every single day. I read an old statistic that one person is shot in Philadelphia every single day. It's almost as if America has become the wild, wild west again. And we have to ask some questions about what's going on in the heart of our culture. What's wrong? How can we be so frivolous about life that's made in the image of God? There are 1,002 gun related homicides last year in Cook County alone. That's like just one major city in the United States. But this is nothing new, brethren. This starts way back in our Bibles. In fact, the first murder recorded in the Bible happens between two brothers named Cain and Abel. And we know the story. Cain and Abel both give offerings and God accepts Abel's offering, but not Cain's. And Cain is angry and God warns him about his anger. And I will tell you that anger is usually what leads to more dumb, tragic things that people do. And Cain was warned by God. And and basically God said, Cain, Sin is crouching at your door and it wants to master you, but you must master it. But he didn't listen and he didn't pay attention. And he went out into the field and there was his brother and he killed his brother in cold blood, took out his anger on his brother. His anger was misplaced because God was trying to get Cain to look in the mirror. But instead of looking in the mirror at his own heart, he took it out on his brother. And sadly, this is what people often do. And so God says this, Genesis 4.10. He said, "What, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And I wonder if that's true of every time innocent blood is taken. I want you to imagine, just for a second, all the innocent lives have been taken. We have talked about abortion. We've talked about murder statistics. And if it is true that it is normative for blood to cry out, to God from the ground. It just makes me wonder how many times a day this happens. That the innocent blood cries out to God from the ground. Among William Blake's most famous paintings is one depicting the murder of Abel. In the background lies Abel's muscular body, pale, gray, in death. In the foreground flees Cain. His body is moving away as he sprints by, but his torso is twisted back so that he faces the observer. His eyes are wide in terror, his mouth gaping in wrenching agony, and his hands are stopping his ears in an attempt to shut out the wail of his brother's blood, screaming from the ground. The Lord of life, the God who gives life, in him is life, And that life is the light of men, holds life and death in his hands. And he has certain rules and regulations for mankind's good. But as Cain, as the Cain train went down the tracks, if you will, one of his relatives picked up the song. And this is actually captured in an ancient song. The first song in the Bible here in Genesis 4.23, skip down. Lamech said to his wives, now he's practicing polygamy, his wives, Ada and Zillah. He said, listen to my voice, you wives of Lamech. Give heed to my speech, for I've killed a man wounding for wounding me. Did he wound him emotionally? Wound his pride at first? I don't know. I killed a boy for striking me. If Cain is avenged sevenfold, then Lamech, 77fold. Listen to my voice, wives of Lamech. I killed a man. I pulled into a gas station a couple years back and I was putting gas in my car and this group in another vehicle was playing their music rather loud. And I was shocked to hear the language of the music and I guess I just live a sheltered life. (laughs) Because it was talking about doing terrible stuff to other people and then using the word mother and another word over and over again, a word that you would never want to be associated with your mother and a word that you would never want to come out of your lips, frankly. And they were blasting it so that everybody probably blocks around could hear it with absolutely no shame. And I was like, wow, the songs of a culture can tell you a lot about what's going on and the lack of shame.
0: You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Join Pastor Michael and some of today's top apologists for the Dare to Defend Conference. On March 10th and 11th, these speakers will provide real answers to skeptics' toughest questions and equip you with the tools necessary to confront the moral confusion of
1: today's postmodern culture. This year's theme is Keeping the Faith in a Culture of Chaos. Come to Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California on March 10th and 11th to hear speakers Detective J. Warner Wallace. The idea that all we have in the universe is random accidents accidents and the laws of physics or chemistry. Then we're not going to get to, we're going to see the evidence
0: differently because our presupposition really colors the way we see every piece of evidence in the room. Dr. Hugh Ross. When God created time, he was a causal agent that brought into effect time, which means at a minimum, He's got the equivalent to move and operate in two independent dimensions of time back at Cook and they would say are you moving did you did you meet someone and do you have and I'm like well actually I did meet someone in Jesus I mean they were really stunned and especially when I got to the part about you know the homosexuality being a sin some of my friends really got hostile Dr. Craig Hayson. I'm sure this Jesus thing sounds good. But, you know, I know nothing about Buddhism or Islam or Hinduism or Mormonism. And how do I know for sure that I've really got the goods? Lenny Esposito. This one conversation shows how much we've confused the motivations for why we believe something with good reasons for believing it. There's only one good reason to believe anything, and that is if it's true. Monique Dushan. I think the idea that that's funny racism, like, they let you into their home, and, like, I was, I came home with PTSD from South Africa and all that, and I think I I started to really think about, like, Well, what if it wasn't racist? And Joe Dallas. If you want to punch somebody out and you punch somebody out, you're not struggling with punching somebody out. You are, in fact, punching somebody out.
1: Register for the Dare to Defend conference on walkintruth.com or call
0: 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH.
1: 844-48-TRUTH. Or visit walkintruth.com.
0: Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth.
1: I guess I just live a sheltered life because it was talking about doing terrible stuff to other people and then using the word mother and another word over and over again, a word that you would never want to be associated with your mother and a word that you would never want to come out of your lips, frankly. And they were blasting it so that everybody probably blocks around could hear it with absolutely no shame. And I was like, wow, the songs of a culture can tell you a lot about what's going on and the lack of shame. And so at the end of last year, before we got into the Advent messages, I'm sitting at my computer because I know how quick we are to forget news reports. And here's what I typed. As I write these notes on November 30th, 2021, news reports are emerging about another school shooting in Oxford, Michigan. A 15-year-old student showed up with a handgun. Three are dead, six wounded. Many more will be wounded forever. This comes on the heels of a man driving through a Christmas parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin. After he made bail in mid-November, he became embroiled in another domestic incident with his ex. Waukesha investigators say in fleeing the scene, He plowed through the city's Christmas parade on November 21st, killing at least six people, including an eight-year-old boy or an eight-year-old and injuring 62 others. And I, I share that only to tell you that I've forgotten about more of the stories than I can remember because it is so commonplace. Because we turn on the news and it seems almost weekly, we hear yet another story of someone coming into a school with a gun. There was a old cartoon that a writer talked about He was talking about metal metal detectors in schools because things have gotten so bad. Checking for guns, knives, and just in case someone snuck in a copy of the Ten Commandments. You can laugh at that because that should make you kind of laugh and make you want to cry. What are we looking for as we put in our new metal detector? Guns, knives, and just in case someone tried to sneak in one of those Bibles. Say what? See, this is the issue, right? This is the cane train. This is the song of Lamech. I killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me, and it's, it's become his song. It's sad. So what do we do? The Supreme Court has been dealing with the issue of abortion in Texas and Mississippi about abortion bans after 15 weeks, and people are arguing, is it constitutional? Is it not What about reproductive rights? What about the rights of that child? Let's take the worst case scenario. And I don't say this with a lack of compassion, but let's say someone was abused or forced and a child is conceived. Is it that child's fault? Should that child die for how their conception came about? That's the most extreme case. And I will tell you, in American statistics, those are the very rare cases. Those are the ones that are appealed to, but they're a very small percentage of the actual cases in America. Do you know what the actual cases in America are about? Time and convenience. It's not the right time. It's inconvenient. And so a life of a child is taken. And, and, and I and I. I understand it, but then I don't understand it. How could we even be making this argument? How could we somehow justify that that child should be murdered in the womb and pay the price for the actions of others who should know better? This is where we are. Thou shall not murder. I will tell you, we're not doing real well. But there's another level of this command that I want to talk to you about. And it's the inside outside aspect. And it is what Calvin called the murder of the heart. You've heard the old saying, if looks could kill. (laughs) Well, sometimes you don't even need to say anything to kill someone with your body language or with a look. I will tell you, I've been in some places preaching. I'm not talking about here. Where I felt like if someone could get at me, the look they were given was that they wanted to either kill me or minimally shut me up. And I'm getting kind of used to it.
0: You've been listening to The Sixth Commandment, Thou Shall Not Kill, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus Chapter 20. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. If this is a program that you regularly listen to, we could use your help. Your financial partnership would help us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with other monthly expenses. And hopefully, Walk in Truth helps people like you dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to your life. Our fiscal year ends on March 31st. And thanks to many listeners like you, we're getting closer to our goal of having 50% of our budget supported. What we really need is more monthly partners so that when we reach that goal, the program will be sustained in the months and maybe even years to come by at least that much. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $10 a month. You can give online at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Or visit walkintruth.com.
1: Now here's Pastor Michael. Well, if you're familiar with the Bible, then you're familiar with David's uh, adultery with Bathsheba and then finally him uh, murdering her husband, Uriah. And you're like, wow, (laughs) that's David, one of the great heroes of the Bible did that. Yeah. I mean, David isn't defined by that moment, but certainly it is a moment that maybe it didn't define him, but. In some ways, uh, it's it stained him forever. And David, you know, um, let, let me back up for here for a second. Maybe you wrestle with that and you're saying, well, how could he be a hero of the Bible and have done that? Because that was a moment in his life. I hope not one moment in my life defines me. David uh, repented of his sin, pleaded to God for mercy, became contrite. Repented as best he could. He had to live with the consequences as we all do. But, you know, if if the Lord kept a record of each of our sin, which one of us could stand? The beauty of the gospel, my friend, and, and, you know, maybe you're on the fence about where you stand with Christianity. Please please hear what I'm about to say. David in Psalm 32 said, blessed is the man whose uh, sin is forgiven. The man the woman who's received the righteousness of God by faith. You can check out Psalm 32 and Romans 4. And David was rejoicing in the fact that the Savior was coming. For us, you know, we look back on that. David was looking forward to the Messiah. And so what we proclaim is not that Christians in the Bible— Uh, Old Testament believers were perfect. What we proclaim is that they were trusting in one who would be perfect, Christ. And if you decide to follow Jesus and to ask him to be your Savior and your Lord, you're going to trust in him, his perfect life, his sacrificial death, his triumphant resurrection for your salvation. That's what we've all done who are believers. And once we are born again, transformed, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. Now we have the power to walk out the righteous requirements of the law. However, we're still not going to do it perfectly. We're going to need God's power and we're going to wrestle with the flesh. And, but we're going to have more of the ability by the power of the Holy Spirit to do what we're called to do. Let me just pause and just ask you, do you know the Lord? You've been listening for a while. Maybe you're part of another religious movement. Maybe maybe you've told friends that you're agnostic or an atheist. But you've been hearing the power of God's Word, and you have heard about the good news of Jesus Christ. You know that God so loved you that he sent his son on a rescue mission. This is what the Bible's ultimately pointing to, not about a bunch of perfect people who— got written down in the Bible. There's none of those except for Jesus. The story of the Bible is about a story of a coming Savior and Lord, the great King who came on a saving mission to save you, to bring you into his kingdom. Do you know him? You say, Pastor Michael, how do I get to know him? Well, you ask him into your life. You repent of your sin. You say, Lord Jesus, I've blown it. I've served myself. I've served another kingdom, but you're the king that came to save me. I believe you died on that cross, prayed if it's you. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe what the Bible says about you, and I'm placing my full trust in you as Savior, Lord, and King of my life. Teach me to follow you. Teach me to um, glorify you in my life. You know, he is so faithful to save. He's so good. Every Sunday morning, we celebrate his goodness at Living Truth Christian Fellowship, where I serve as senior pastor. I want to tell you a little bit about the church behind Walk in Truth. It's located in Corona, California, 1009 Arsenal Way, right off the 91 Freeway and Lincoln Avenue, kind of on the north side of Corona, near the border of Eastvale and Norco. We're doing three services on a Sunday morning. 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m. Those are the English services, which I'm normally preaching at. And then a 1.00 p.m. Spanish service that we just added some months ago. Hey, if you're not anywhere near Southern California or the Inland Empire, we do broadcast the 10.30 service on our YouTube channel. Now, if you have a home church, make sure you go there first, but you can always catch the service either live or later on. It's up there on YouTube, and you can check it out whenever is convenient for you. This is Pastor Michael Lance. I am praying that you have a incredible weekend. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May His beautiful face shine upon you and may He give you shalom. Have a great weekend.
0: Join us Monday for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 20 about the sixth commandment, Thou Shall Not Kill. I'm Mike Massaro. Have a wonderful weekend and thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's always our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.